Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> it is very fitting that God is having me talk about joy and hard times. <laughs> All right. Um, before I start, this was something that God was showing me in worship that ties into the message, but was not originally part of it. Um, when Steph was praying about things being birthed um, and just like new things happening, especially in our city, um, God was just really laying it on my heart um, that I feel like a lot of times we get into a mode where we're like, whatever God wants to do, it's going to be okay. I just, I don't care what happens, just whatever God wants. But while that's good, he also like really wants us to have a vision for a new thing happening. He wants us to have a joy set before us like Jesus did. Um, so he just showed me Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Um, and then also Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Um, so that was just something God wanted me to share real quick before I start. Um, I'm going to pray again. God, I just ask that you would release what you've put in my heart this morning. Um, I just ask that I would be a vessel um, and that I would be a mouthpiece for you, Lord. Um, I just cast aside anything that's of my flesh, Lord. And I just ask that I would be fully submitted to you and say what only you're saying, Lord, in Jesus' name. So I'm going to be talking about joy this morning. When David first asked me if I wanted to give a message, um, I had kind of known that I was supposed to do something in the near future. I wasn't sure when, and I wasn't sure what God wanted me to talk about. Um, but something I really appreciate about this body is I have a really good example um, and a longstanding precedent of people getting up here on Sundays and not just saying the thing that sounds good or that they're excited about or that sounds important. Um, that everyone who shares here is really intentional, intentional about making sure that on each Sunday they're really trying to hear what God is trying to say to the congregation. Um, and so I'm just really thankful that that precedent's already been set for a super long time. So I kind of knew going into it that I didn't have to have this big groundbreaking thing that I just had to really settle down and get into what God was trying to say through me. Um, but it's honestly, it's weird because we do it a lot, but it's, when you think about it, it's kind of intimidating being like, okay, you can't say your thing. You have to say God's thing. Um, but then because we do it so much and I see so many other people doing it, it takes a lot of that pressure off and you just kind of realize like, oh, I just have to pray and God will tell me what he wants to say. 
Like, it's not something that I have to, like, know perfectly and get all figured out. Like, if I'm submitted to his leadership, he's going to work through me because he's not, he doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to do what he wants us, what's, sorry. He wants us to do what he's called us to do and he wants to help us in that it's not like, it's not a hard thing once we get into his will. Um, anyway, all that to say, I'm just very thankful that it wasn't something I really had to think about because for so long, everyone at this church has made it really clear that like what we do is what God is saying and what God is doing in this moment. Um, so... When I first started writing and giving messages, the thing that God was really placing on my heart was love, like Paula was talking about when she was praying for me. Um, Almost every time I've shared a message anywhere, it's always had to do with love in some capacity, and that's usually the main theme. Um, And I do think that love is kind of the root of everything and our purpose in creation, and I don't think that that's super controversial. Um, And so this message is still kind of about love, but it's a little out of my wheelhouse of things that I normally talk about, which is good. Um, And it seems to be kind of a common theme here, again, um, is that I feel like God has given me this message because it's something that I really struggle with. Um, So like most of the messages here, keep in mind that when I say you or we, I mostly mean me. (laughs) Um, In preparation for this message, something that the Lord pointed out to me Um, is that I've been kind of praying for joy in the wrong way. I often find that when I'm praying about joy, I ask that I would find joy, that I would find it in my job, that I would find it despite some circumstance, that in a circumstance that I'm not happy in, I would find some part of it that makes me happy and I'd be able to like focus on the good instead of the things that I don't like. When I say that that's wrong, all I mean is it's not the fullness of what God has for us. Joy, first and foremost, is a fruit of the Spirit. When we are convicted about our lack of love for someone, for example, while it's not wrong to pray that we would be able to look past their flaws and see something good in them that makes them easier to love, that's not the fullness of love that the Holy Spirit has to offer. He wants to take us deeper. He wants us to love how he loves, not by ignoring the bad things and amplifying the good things, but by really getting the Father's eyes for someone to see their shortcomings and love them in those. Supernaturally, seeing the whole picture, wanting more for them, but loving them completely without having to ignore certain actions or parts of their personality. In much the same way, God doesn't want us to be joyful in a situation because we're ignoring all the negatives and just looking on the bright side. He wants to give us supernatural joy in a way that only he can. Joy that sees the quote-unquote negatives as man's, not as man sees them, but in the spirit. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the whom through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out 
in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. This glorying that Paul is talking about is the joy of the Holy Spirit that I'm talking about. It's not a joy dependent on circumstance, but it's also not a joy that ignores reality. Paul doesn't just say that we glory in tribulation because we can go through hard times and we have faith that God is going to protect us and he won't give us more than we can handle. And it's just for a moment in the face of eternity, so when you think about it, it's not actually all that bad. He actually gives us a reason that, not in spite of it looking bad to the flesh or being painful or uncomfortable, but because it's painful and looks bad to the flesh, it's a good thing. This, is, this isn't a mindset we can train ourselves into. This only happens through a miracle of the Holy Spirit doing a great work in our mind, will, and emotions. This idea of glorying in tribulation is foolishness to the flesh. Acts 16, 25 through 28. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awakened from his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, Drew his sword, was about to kill himself, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. There are a lot of other examples of prayer and worship being the only way through tribulation for believers, like Stephen seeing Jesus and the Father in heaven while he's being stoned. When we start seeing our circumstances how God sees them, there is so much joy in the suffering that we cannot, that we can see not just the pain, so but the work that the Lord is doing in our character in the pain. I want to get to the point, and it will take a miracle, but I know that he is faithful to do it, where when I find myself in a difficult situation or something hard or something uncomfortable is on the horizon, my go-to response is actually to thank God for this situation, not because it seems like the right thing to do, but because I am actually looking with expectation at the greater thing that it will produce in me. Acts 7, 54 through 60. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, and they all rushed, him, rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And then Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's not that God wants us to suffer, quite the opposite, but we have free will to make our own decisions, and we are also accused by Satan day and night before the Father. Genesis fifty twenty says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. 
God won't violate our free will to make us trust him, but he will allow us to face the consequences of our own self-leadership in order to see how much better things are when we're under his leadership. The true way to joy is to see things on an infinite timeline like God does and to not see things in the moment, moment by moment. Because if you're looking moment by moment at your situation, it's almost always going to seem bad. But if you're looking at things not even 10 to 20 years out, if you're looking into eternity and what God's trying to do in your life, that's when we can get joy and we can see what he's really trying to do in a situation. 2 Corinthians four seventeen through 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Something that I know we kind of talk about here, but in the church at large and kind of even in our own hearts, even though it's something that we touch on again and again, um, it's just a really easy temptation to fall back into, um, is that temptation of the enemy to say, well, God would never make me go through this. God would never call me to do that thing because that's hard. Um, God would never tell me to do X, Y, or Z because that would be painful for me. And God wants me, like Jeremiah 29, 11, God wants me to be happy. He doesn't want to harm me. While all of it's true, we have to look at we have to look at it how God sees it. His plan is for us to prosper and for us to have joy and for us to be unharmed throughout eternity, not in these little pockets of time that we can see five years ahead of us or five years behind us. Like We need to get a more eternal point of view on like the God would nevers. God is good, and he does love us, and that is precisely why he calls us to do hard things and lets us go through things that are painful. Um, so it's the spirit of the Antichrist that says that God would never, did God really say, that sounds like a hard thing. I mean, it's all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Like, really, like, God doesn't want you to eat that one fruit. I don't think he said that. That was the accusation of the enemy throughout time. It's like, that sounds like a really strict rule. I don't think God's that strict. I don't think he's that hard on you. You probably don't have to do that. Um, And it'll lead a lot of people to offense and to falling away in the end times and even now. We need to look at the full counsel of Scripture and find the biblical response to suffering. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Jesus didn't say, Peter, I wish you were right. I think I got to do this, though. As terrified as Jesus was, as badly as he didn't want to go through this, he saw the joy set before him. He saw the Father's plan for him, 
and he saw what Peter was saying rightly. He didn't see like, oh, Peter's just a friend. He's telling me that God loves me. He'd never let me go through that. I'm too important. But he saw that Peter was actually acting as a mouthpiece of Satan. It's, there are a lot of things where we get into that we just, we kind of let these little lies from the enemy kind of mill around because it sounds nice. And so we want to be like, oh, well, I don't know if that's completely right. I do think I might have to do this, but it's a really nice idea that like God doesn't want me to, like Jesus was not messing around with any of that. He was like, get behind me, Satan. I don't want to hear that. This is what God has for me, and it's good. So he actually saw that that little lie wasn't like a nice thing that he could mess around with. He saw it as Satan trying to get him outside of God's hard, painful, but beautiful, perfect, and joy-filled plan for his life and for us in eternity. I think I can speak for most people when I say that I hear the voice of the enemy that was speaking through Peter. And it's almost always right after I hear God telling me to do something hard. And the temptation is always to agree with it, to think that you are God's special little guy or girl. He wouldn't let you go through something like that. He wouldn't call you to do that hard thing. But I challenge myself and all of us to look at God's special guys and girls and to see what they go through and to compare that to what God's calling us to and to see that maybe it's not too hard. Maybe it's not too painful when we have these things that God's calling us to and we're like, well, God wouldn't want me to quit my job because that'd be really hard for me. That'd be really hard for my family. I don't know what I would do in the area of my finances or God's telling me to end this relationship, but I don't know what it would be like without this or God's telling me to witness to a friend that it'd be hard to, or witness to a family member that I think would get mad at me. We need to look at the whole Council of Scripture. We need to look at church history, and we need to understand, like, it's God's special people. It's God's chosen people. It's the people that felt really loved by God that were oftentimes called to do the hardest, most painful things. It's not signing up for Christianity and signing up for a life of following Jesus isn't that you're going to, I mean, it's like Jesus prayed. I pray that they would be in the world, but not of it. That they would go through the things that everyone else is going through. And sometimes, oftentimes, something harder than what everyone else is going through. But that you would keep them of a different spirit that you would keep them in the Holy Spirit in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I think I got all of them. But my mom's not here to do the song, so I don't know for sure. <laughs> um, but that's how he wants us to be, not just in the good times. Mostly the fruits of the Spirit are for the times of tribulation, for the times of hardness. It's just, it's so important 
for us to get a vision, not of, oh, things are going to be so easy. Things are going to be so good. God's got me in the palm of his hand because he does. But in this life, we are going to have tribulation. And we need to be of good cheer in that not getting through it, like, oh, I really don't want to do this, but I got to do it so I can get to the thing. We need to glory in tribulation. We need to have good cheer in tribulation. And the vision that God wants us to have, the revelation that he wants us to have so that we can actually stay in his will and not cast off restraint is us going through really, really hard times, but having so much joy and so much peace and so much love for the people around us that the world sees it, that his chosen people in Israel see it, and they say, I want what they've got. Because if you look at the world, if you look at human history, if you look at the Bible, you're not getting out of hard times. You're just not, even if you're not saved you're not getting out of tribulation. It's just, it's not the way that this thing is set up right now because of the fall. You're not getting out of it. What we're living in right now is the anomaly. This peace and prosperity, being able to come to church when we want to, go home, pick a job we like, have vacations, like this is the anomaly. This is not the norm, and I think so much of the Western church and myself personally, I look at this, and then I look at the little things that God's calling me to do, and I'm like, that's too hard. God doesn't want me to do that, but it's like I'm not even scratching baseline life (laughs) for most of human history in the difficulty and in the suffering. Um. And it's not a condemnation. It's really easy to adjust to your current situation. Um, So it's not a condemnation on any of us, but we do need to really, really, really keep in mind that there are so much harder things that God can take us through. Not necessarily that they're going to happen or that they need to happen. He's going to do exactly what he needs to do to get us to give over as much of our hearts as possible to him. So we don't want to get all focused on like, this is another really easy ditch to fall into with something like this, is like to get really focused on like, well, I'm not suffering enough, so that means I'm not trusting God enough, and so I need to put myself in more situations where I'm going to suffer, but that's not biblical either. He's got something for each of us. And all he's saying is, don't shy away from the things that I have for you. And when you go through these hard times, keep your gaze fixed on me and have joy in those situations. I'm not saying that everyone's going to be stoned and we're going to be worshiping God when we're getting stoned. I hope I am, honestly. But it would be so much better to have something little that's a little hard that God is calling you to go through and go through it with him 
than taking yourself outside of his will and trying to make your life artificially harder because you think that that makes you a good Christian. It'd be so much better to look to the world like you've got such a cushy life and nothing's hard and your life is just really easy and have everyone be like, oh, he doesn't know. She doesn't know what it's like to be in my shoes or whatever. It'd be so much better to look like that to everyone else but have these things that God's calling us to go through that he knows are so hard for us and go through them with him in joy and in peace and in love and not lose that. Because if you can't do those little things, if you can't miss a paycheck and have joy, if you can't hear God saying, talk to this family member that's a pain about the Lord and be like, God, this is going to be hard, but thank you for giving me this opportunity to grow in my faith more and to give my faith to someone else. If you can't do that in that spirit, you're never going to be able to go to the Middle East and evangelize and be martyred. If you put yourself in those situations without laying down the bedrock of just day-to-day life, God, this is hard, but thank you for giving me a hardship so that I can learn to trust you more. That's when people start to fall away, when things get tough. So if we always look at things on a timeline that we can understand and in the wisdom of the flesh, we'll almost always miss what God is trying to do, and it'll be impossible to have any joy. We need to be walking in the Spirit, and when we have eyes and minds like Jesus, we can have a joy set before us in all circumstances. God with man in perfect fellowship. That's what Jesus saw when he was going to the cross. That's what Jesus saw when he was praying in the garden. That's what God saw when he sent Jesus to the earth. That's what God saw when Jesus descended into Hades. That's what Stephen saw when he was being stoned. That's what Paul and Silas saw when they were in prison. That's what we need to be seeing is God with man in perfect communion. That's the joy set before us. And the only way we're going to get there is if we lose all of this junk that we've got built up inside of us Not because God's a hard man, but because he's so holy and he's so perfect and he's so pure that he knows that we can't stand in front of him without dying if we've got all of that junk that we're still holding on to. That's the reason that he puts us through these tribulations, or allows us to go through these tribulations, that he allows Satan to tempt us, that he calls us to do these hard things, not because he's like, I need some really good, strong people to do my stuff for me, because he doesn't. He just knows that the only way to have us with him and not violate our free will is to put us through these situations where we go, God, I see this in my heart. I don't want it. 
God, I see this in my heart. I don't want it. I want more of what you've got for me and less of what my flesh has for me. That's the only reason he's putting us through this stuff because if he didn't put us through anything hard, we'd just hang on to our junk and then we'd never be able to stand before him. Or the alternative would be him just getting rid of all of the junk so that we could be together, but then that wouldn't be free will. That wouldn't be love. And he's so committed to free will, and he's so committed to having actual lovers, not robots that have to follow his every command. He's so committed to having people who actually love him. And that's why we go through tribulation. It's really important to have a right mindset and a right vision for why we go through hard things. It's not because... Oh, well, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and so now God's kind of mad at us, so we have to go through hard things so that we can prove that we love God, and or anything like that. I mean, there's so many different kind of slightly off-the-track doctrines that nobody's doing on purpose. Nobody's preaching these things on purpose, but it's so easy to just get a little off on why suffering happens. And it's like, oh, well, we live in a fallen world, which is true. But God is all powerful. There is like, we need to be able to tell people when like a common atheist thing to Believers is like, well, if God is all-powerful and he's all-loving, why does X, Y, and Z happen? And it's a little bit of a disservice to the gospel to be like, well, stuff just happens because we're in a fallen world. It's like, no, it's pretty clear time and again that God is actually doing this because he loves us and we don't get love. We don't understand love And that's why we think that these things that we go through are bad. If we really got love, if we really understood his love for us, we could really understand that God is perfect, good, and loving in a tsunami, in a hurricane, in the death of a loved one. If we really understood what it meant to be in eternity, to be in perfect communion with God, we wouldn't be like, oh, well, it's just something that has to happen because of the fall. God is perfectly orchestrating. He's got his hand so perfectly in all of these things. And it's really tempting to believe the lie that something's just happened that they're out of God's control, or not even that they're out of God's control, but like, well, we don't really understand why, but these things just happen sometimes. The reason why every single time is because someone somewhere is going to see this situation and they're going to go, I need God's leadership, not my own. Because I have no other way to get through this. This is so hard that I can't have joy, I can't have peace, I can't have love, and I need God's leadership, not my own.
had the exact opposite problem of my dad. <laughs> I think that that is all that he's given me to say. <laughs> I'll just stand up here to distract from Jen picking her music. Yeah. God, I just ask that you would show us your heart for us. God, I thank you that you don't hide your will from us. I thank you that you don't hide your love from us. God, I thank you that you won't violate our free will, um, that you won't force yourself on us, Lord. And I just ask that we would do the little thing, the little thing of just turning and looking at you. Because when we turn and look at you, you're right there to meet us. You've been waiting for us to turn and look at you and ask for joy and ask for peace and ask for love. You're not withholding it from us. You're just waiting for us to ask, Lord. So God, this morning, all of us together, we ask, Lord, give us joy. Give us peace that passes understanding, Lord. Give us love that doesn't look beyond flaws, but actually loves in them. Give us joy that doesn't look past circumstance, but actually has joy because of our circumstances, Lord. God, I just ask that you would draw us closer to you. Jesus, I ask that you would make us holy as you are holy. And I ask that we would do only what we see the Father doing and say only what we hear the Father saying. In Jesus' name. Singing praise, oh. 
or wisdom to pray before you, Lord. You've been speaking to me about joy in the circumstances and entering in with thanksgiving for so long. And so I'm very thankful for this message today, um, for the confirmation in it, but also for me to say, Father God, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, and I'm asking, even as I've been wrestling with it and, and trying to obtain the fruits of the Spirit, maybe, is a way to put it um, in little circumstances, um, just just in Noah's, um, some of Noah's things that he shared. I just feel like I really need to say to you publicly, Lord, that I need you to make my heart joyful. Um, and I'm seeking it, and so I know you will you will honor that because you are a good father. Um, thank you for the transformative work of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And I'm asking and I'm saying I'm willing to say yes and amen and transform me in Jesus' name. Restore the joy of thy salvation. Restore the joy of thy salvation, God. Restore the joy of thy salvation and put a right spirit within me again. Oh, restore the joy of thy salvation. Restore the joy of thy salvation, Lord. Restore the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me, God. Renew a right spirit within me, God. Lord, I thank you. Um, Lord, I, I know that um, in my mind uh, that the little things that, that you've placed before me, the little things that are difficult or hard, um, that there are opportunity for me to press into you. But I didn't actually realize that while at the same time I'm aware of that, I'm also kind of sliding out from under the discomfort of it by saying, hey, it's a broken and fallen world, which kind of takes me out of that place of going, what are you trying to 
have me do in this small thing to press into you, Lord. So, Lord, I can't hold those two things in my head at the same time and not have it be real discordant. Lord, I just want to be in full agreement that you have full authority for the big things and the little things, that you are wholly good, Lord, and that if they are in my path, then I have an opportunity to seek you in it, Lord. And so I'm asking that rather than sliding out from under it, Lord, I recognize those moments. I quit trying to do things in my own strength, which I don't want to do anyway, but I didn't realize I'd come up with a good excuse. So, Lord, I'm just asking this week, even today, that you show me this little thing that you will place in front of me and that I see it as, oh, you're doing this because you're good and because you love me. And yes, the world has fallen, but I have a moment right here to love in it. I have a moment right here to be peaceful in it. Lord, so I'm asking that you just, just correct my vision about it, about you, Lord. And I repent before you for, for letting myself off the hook. Lord, I want to be in full communion with you. Lord, I'm asking for you to do what you need to do to get me there, Lord. Amen. And oh, Lord, I'm sorry where I just want to fast forward all the hard stuff. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry where I just want to fast forward all the hard stuff. Can't see that it's part of the story that you're writing with me. I just remembered when, um, when Sam and Tom were going through the beginnings of obeying the Lord and calling into this house of prayer, um, I might get this wrong on the timing, but it, the Lord brought me, and I just saw the image of their, they had a tree in their backyard that hadn't bloomed in forever, and they'd pray. They were, it just bloomed. Like, it was just like a miracle, a little assurance. So um, I just feel like that's, that will ha- that's happening in today's days, um, that we are going to bloom. There's going to be a, a renewal of the right spirit, and we are going to bloom and blossom where places that weren't quite flourishing um, are going to flourish. So, Father God, sometimes we feel like such a small bouquet. But you're going to blossom us, and I thank you for that. It will be a very pleasant aroma to your sight. Father, I know in my heart I want to yield to your authority and let you do a mighty work. And I thank you for the past remembrances of the work you've done to help our sure-footedness in the work you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Um, So if you are... um going through a fiery trial right now and you would like ministry, I feel like uh, there's just some people in the room that could maybe use some ministry. So if that's you, if you raise your hand, maybe we could gather around each other. 
and you don't have to quantify your fiery trial to anybody else. <laughs> like if it's fiery to you, it's fiery to you. All right, maybe stand up if that's you because you're halfway holding your hands up. <laughs> There's some folks up here. So if you didn't raise your hand, maybe we could just gather around people and pray for one another for a few minutes.
two scriptures when we're told that we will never, ever be tempted more than we can stand, semicolon, without a way out. Father, we want your way out. The other things, Father, we know that every one of us here has had a father. Some disciplined little, some a lot, some in between, as best they thought. You discipline us exactly what we need to get to where you want us to be. You want us to be like your son. You know what it takes. And as long as we want it, we want you to do that. Because whatever we go through here, there's nothing like what's on the other side if we're not with you. So, Father, we thank you for your discipline and that we learn from it. almost drowned in the shower this morning. <laughs> it was crazy. Explain yourself. I just got water like in my nose or something and and I literally was just about ready to like throw myself up against the wall like nobody heard me. <laughs> God saved my life this morning. Um, which is really interesting to me because the word flood keeps coming up yeah. today. I it, it over and over again. Um which ties in with um, the thing that I wanted to share and pray about. Um, I actually had a dream about you this week, Noah, that that you were with me and we were driving around in a van and there were some other people in the van, but um, but we were kind of like in charge of them. Like they were little kids and you were a great comfort to me. And I like, I've been praying about this. What the heck does it mean, Lord? And this is what um, I think the Lord is saying. Um, this is Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And I think what you did today, Noah, was that you built an ark. Um, an art for all of us um, to travel in and to be safe in. Um, and the things that you have been talking about today are the things that the Lord's been showing me in the last two or three weeks. Um, and, and I've been praying for joy. Um, and it's, it's just, it's not coming. It comes in little tiny bits. But um, 
I'm convinced that there's more, and um, I'm just very thankful that you were willing to share what you did. So thank you for being obedient. Um, it was it was just the right amount, not too much and not too little. Um, so Lord, I'm just um, I'm just in awe of how you you answer all of the prayers, even the ones that you know we just kind of shoot up to you. Um, the little comments we make to you, and then we forget about them. And today I feel like you've like tied up a whole bunch of mine <laughs> all into a little package and handed it back to me with a bow on it, Lord. Um, I just, I'm asking that you will help us, Lord, to grab a hold of this. Um, the love, the joy, the peace, and how, how it all comes um, by knowing what you say about the things that we need and knowing about how you see and how you see um, our circumstances and, um, and that you know you're not here to save us from them but you're here to walk us through them and so that's why I'm asking Lord in Jesus name and I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be safe from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. Yeah, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be safe from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. Oh, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. Yeah, I will call upon the Lord. And I will call upon the Lord. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies I will call upon the Lord oh I have called upon the Lord he is worthy to be praised and I have been called upon the Lord. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be saved from my enemies. Oh, and I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be safe from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. So we just worship you, God. 
For all the enemies we know of, the enemies we've never noticed, being slayed, being slayed by you. Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, he's the Lion of Judah, Lamb of God is the Lion of Judah. Lamb of God, he's coming again and seated on a white horse, many crowns upon his head, sword at his side. There's a sword at his side, we praise you, God. 